0: Welcome to The Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, March 17th, and on today's show, we are talking to Puck's resident legal expert, Eric Gardner, about how all the big brands and companies pulling out of Russia might face tough, long-term financial consequences. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. dot m e slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life welcome to this thursday edition of the powers that be happy saint patrick's day everybody Uh, i'm joined today by eric gardner who is our resident expert on the legal angles to all of the things we cover here at puck the media culture entertainment politics and Today, I want to talk to you about something even sexier than the law, Eric, which is insurance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically, a lot of the insurance questions swirling around the ongoing war in Ukraine and Russia's invasion there. And the reason this is interesting is because so many companies have decided to you know, hit pause on sales there, on their retail spaces there on, in some cases, manufacturing there. But what are the long tail consequences of a company just deciding to pull out of a gigantic country, a gigantic market without any end
1: in sight? Yes, well, they're not just pulling out of any market, they're pulling out of what is the fifth largest market in the world. And so that incurs a lot of costs. You know, s- some companies it, it, it's it's an enormous portion of their revenue. It's the difference between making their quarterly profits, or or so they're going to have losses, and, and they're going to feel this one in the in the in, in in the wallets. And so you know, some of them are going to turn to their insurers. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe even not next month, but maybe by the end of the year, or even early next year, we're going to start seeing court cases about this. We're going to you know see these companies saying, hey, the insurer won't pay up. I had an interruption to my business. I had these losses. I expect to be reimbursed for it. And uh, so we're, we're gonna see some interesting situations here.
0: Well, what's an example of one of those situations that's catching your eye at the moment?
1: Sure, well, I, I can turn to the past. I mean, one one of the, the, the most interesting court cases I ever covered was an insurance situation that, that happened out of Israel. The USA Network dig was filming in Israel and uh, rocket fire from hamas came and interrupted the production eventually they they decided to move the production to croatia and new mexico and then they tendered claims to their insurer they said the insurer should pay for the cost of moving all the disruption and all that and what happened was the insurer turned back and said your policy has a, an exclusion for war and so the rocket fire coming in that's war and so we're not going to pay out and they battled over this for, for years and years and years. What is war? Was that war? Was that terrorism? They consulted military experts. They looked at State Department cables, looked at the modern definition of warfare. And, you know, this went all the way up to an appeals court. And eventually they decided that it was not war and the and, uh, USA uh, Network got got its money back. But, you know, we're going to see similar things here where the insurers are going to say, you know, the war exclusion applies if you did suffer losses, it's not covered. And, uh, you know, we're gonna see arguments made, well, you know, the, the war is happening in Ukraine, it's not happening in Russia. And so, you know, we were pulling out of Russia, not because of any gunfire, but because of the whole kind of political climate. And, and, and then there'll be questions about why exactly they pulled out, you know, was it, was it a choice, was it a necessity? And so on and so forth. And so we're we're going to see some uh, pretty intense, you know, arguments here on, on this front.
0: You have a piece up on, on Puck right now called The War Comes to Hollywood. And I feel like you summarize this quandary really well when you're talking about Netflix, which, again, they're not facing or pursuing any litigation right now, but it's theoretical. And you write, For example, what caused Netflix to halt work on Anna Kay, which is a contemporary retelling of Anna Karenina that was being filmed in Moscow and St. Petersburg? It's not the firing of ammunition, right? It's nobody that's on set is literally fleeing gunfire. Netflix's decision resulted from broader geopolitical and financial concerns. And skipping ahead a little bit, you write, if exiting Russia is just about protecting the Netflix brand from the moral outrage of doing business in the country, that will be framed by insurers as a choice that's admirable but doesn't necessarily trigger coverage. And then you just said also pulling out of Russia is a basically a moral and, and political statement. The war is happening in Ukraine. <laughs> There's always an interesting long tail versus short term response to companies making the noble choice to stop doing business um, in a state over some sort of political issue they disagree with, or in this case, in a different country that's conducting a war. But, the short-term value there can sometimes run up against significant long-term consequences. Like I was I was reading about some of the companies that decided to stay. Mars, which, you know, obviously makes M&Ms and Kit Kats and they manufacture Kit Kats in Russia. They also like manufacture a ton of their pet food. Pedigree, Shiba, like are made in Russia. By just forsaking that, they would just be giving up a huge production side of their company. They also put out a statement sort of condemning the war and steering money toward helping refugees which feels like a rational response to this rather than just fully retreating and abandoning a significant part of your production elements in a foreign country and that might not be the you know virtuous decision in the short term but it feels somewhat rational in the long term i mean are people really going to stop buying pedigree in other words because a lot of it is manufactured in Russia. I don't think that's the case.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, uh, there are a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are staying in Russia, and they they say that that you know they have an ethical obligation to provide drugs to you know life saving drugs to to the population who some you know whom. No fault of theirs that their leader has decided to, you know, invade a, a foreign country. So you know, there's certainly uh, ramifications there. The other thing I would say, long-term consequences. You know, we're we're talking about one particular area, but certainly there are lots of other areas in the world that are run by autocrats. I could certainly see a situation, you know, years from now when, like, say, China invades Taiwan or something like that. So, what standard are we really setting right now? And that's going to matter. I mean, if there is this increased risk that you're going to have to pull out of the country because of you know what the leaders are doing, that, that makes it harder to operate internationally. And so it's important to have these conversations on the front end of things because, you know, how do you do business without, without really measuring the risk? How do you do it without getting insured? I'm sure a lot of insurers are going to be rewriting their policies based on this one situation, going to make it a lot tougher to get reimbursed for losses stemming from sort of like, you know, political decision making. This is definitely a, a situation that, that bears watching. And, and you know, hopefully the, the physical war comes to an end sooner rather than later. But, you know, the, the legal situation is going to be playing out, I think, for years to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I'm not disagreeing with companies for pulling out of Russia, but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence on the consumer side that political decisions by companies like have a big impact (laughs) on their bottom line. And I'm just, I'm referencing the Trump years. I mean, I remember when one of the owners of Equinox and SoulCycle was revealed to be a big donor of Donald Trump. And, you know, Chrissy Teigen and other liberals on Twitter were saying, don't go to Equinox and SoulCycle anymore. And like that had no material impact on those companies at all. It was just, it it was sort of, a very online discourse that didn't impact what people were actually, you know, buying off shelves or are paying for out in the marketplace.
1: Well, I also think that you know some of it is just to put political pressure on Putin. I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. reason why sanctions are tar- targeted uh, towards uh, you know these oligarchs and and everything like that. I mean, it's to create a sense of your actions have you know repercussions, and there's going to be people who are unhappy. You know, it, it, the Russian people might not be seeing the truth about what's happening in Ukraine because because there's so much propaganda on their newsways, but they're definitely, you know, hearing the financial fallout from all of this and that's making them dissatisfied. And maybe that puts pressure on, on Putin to change his stance. So I think that there is, you know, a rationale for these American companies getting pulled out. And even uh, Zelensky repeated his uh, calls for foreign companies to pull out. He even named the specific companies, I think, to the British parliament that we're staying in. So, you know, the the shame is is definitely part of Ukraine's strategy. All right, we're going to take a quick
0: break. When we come back, we'll hear about a big court ruling that came down in Russia this week and what it means for the future of the Big Mac in Moscow. All right, welcome back, everybody. Eric, there was a big uh, court ruling in Russia this week that could have a big impact on these companies moving forward. Can you tell us what that was about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, now that all these companies are pulling out, they're leaving behind some stuff. So for for instance, you know, McDonald's announces that it's leaving Russia. But, you know, all those, the physical infrastructure is still there and, and all that. And so what the government's doing is basically seizing a lot of these assets. This lingering stuff that left behind in Russia. And the question is, well, can Russia kind of take over it and, and run their own McDonald's? Will Russians be able to, you know, eat Big Macs and look at their iPhones and drink Coke and, and all that? And that's where Peppa the Pig comes into play. Yes, <laughs> Peppa the Pig, the, the same cartoon character that teaches our children to speak British. So what happened was that the owner of Peppa the Pig. Has been suing this Russian entrepreneur who's been making his own cartoons that look a lot like Peppa Pig. And this has been in court. And this past week, the courts basically pointed to all these foreigners leaving the country and these unfriendly Americans and associates and said, you know, intellectual property means nothing. <laughs> so, so you're allowed to, you're allowed to take whatever you want. And, and he threw out the case. And that's going to be the precedent going forward, that that basically trademarks and copyrights, and, you know, patents mean pretty much nothing in Russia. And it's, it's, it's basically a return to, you know, the Soviet times. Back in the day, there was this whole gray market of things that, you know, were, were kind of like fake products. And, you know, if you know how to make a Big Mac, I guess, you know, you do it and then you call it a Big Mac and everything like that. When the Soviet Union collapsed, part of, part of, you know, what happened was all these Western companies rushing in and there were long lines, but it, it was like it became official and uh, we're really like reversing the clock on all that.
0: Yeah, I mean, McDonald's was one of those stories we remember from when communism ended, you know, and they came into Russia. There was a video I was looking at this week of a guy in Moscow, I believe doing kind of like a selfie video and saying goodbye to McDonald's and saying that it was a symbol of how Russia overcame communism. And he was really sad about it. Yeah,
1: I've heard that that Big Macs are like being posted on the Russian equivalent of Craigslist and and like going for like high rubles right now because, you know, people think it's going away.
0: But clarify <laughs> what you just said for me. So obviously Putin a few days ago threatened to nationalize assets of, of companies that, that left a Russian court
1: said that can move forward right yes well it, it's it's a two step process one is that the russian legislature is passing these laws to basically you know put anything left behind in in kind of receivership like a form of bankruptcy so the, so the government can now step in and t- take over it The second part of it basically is no respect for trademarks, for copyrights, for what foreigners own in intellectual property. So they'll slap brand names on on these things, even though they're not licensed to do it. Normally, the, you know, Western companies, the multinationals would come in and sue and, and say, you know, this is fast and everything like that. But, you know, considering they have no standing now in, in, uh, in the country, there's nothing that they really can do about it. So it just basically makes the country an outlaw country with respect to this sort of thing.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. So like basically, like they will continue to operate at McDonald's with the Golden Arches. They're not even going to change the name from like a Big Mac to a Royale with cheese or whatever. They're just going to keep calling it a Big Mac, even though it has functionally no connection to the McDonald's corporation abroad.
1: I think that changing it to Royale with cheese would be awesome. But, you know, (laughs) I I, I assume that Putin's going to want to, you know, placate this population who is really upset to see such disruption in their lives. So, you know, he'll authorize this sort of thing. You know, for Western companies, they're, you know, going to be in court, going to be, you know, fighting with insurers to get reimbursed. They'll talk about, you know, how they really couldn't do business, that the financial system kind of collapsed, that you weren't able to access the banking these days, that the ruble collapsed, that there was sentience hanging over, over them. They'll try to, any way they can to get money. And, you know, in Russia, they're, they're going to hang on to whatever they, they can. You know, the funny thing is that, that there's I've seen, and this is like incredible, some some conservatives on channels like Newsmax saying that the cancel culture has has hit Russia and they're arguing that this is a bad thing financially and, and, and we should rethink it but uh, I think for most people you know they, they see it as, as a big moral outrage and they're going to do whatever they can and if that means you know losing some money in the short run then you know so be it.
0: Alright Eric thank you so much for joining us we'll have you back on the pod soon.